So today we have the continuation of our conversation on reincarnation. And what I want to talk about is family souls. So if you remember last week, we started talking about the reincarnation and we spoke about the root soul. Today, we're going to talk about the idea of group or family souls. A group soul. A group soul would be those individual souls that all share the same root within the primordial, all-encompassing body soul of the primordial Adam. Remember from last week about the primordial Adam, the original person, not male or female, but both together. So we're going to talk about this idea today of souls that share the same root. As a physical representation of this truth, these souls will gravitate towards each other. They're attracted to each other. In this world of falsehood, in the temporal realm. In our world that we call the world of falsehood. Either they will be attracted to each other as a family, as friends, as a group, as a network, or more on a macro level as a nation, which means they may be from the same uh, origin, or they may be Jewish, let's say, or they may be, you know, all from India, or they may all be from, from the same place in Europe. Physical nearness, whether via blood, via friendship, or via geographic location, is indicative of a spiritual connection. You wonder, why did I end up in this city and not that city? It could be that you were born in one city, but you live in a different city. It could be, if you can't really understand, it, part of that migration has to do with your root soul and those parts of the same root soul that are close to you in physical proximity. Souls that share a common root on a spiritual plane will transmigrate together on a physical level as well. These souls are bound together physically and spiritually by a common purpose. It's very simple. Well, simple is a very, it's understood. It's because that they originated from the same archetype aspect within the primordial body soul of Adam. Because they're part of that same root soul, and I know we're very uh, theoretical right now. I'm going to explain the, the specifics in a minute, but because they share that same root, that 
physically, they're going to want to be near each other. Now, an interesting detail regarding the immediate family dynamic is that although the nucleus of a family is constructed of souls who originate from the same broad area in the all-inclusive primordial atom, still, not all of the people in the family or the members of the family will share the same exact root soul. At times, a friend may share a closer soul root than that of a relative. So if you want to understand why you end up spending more time with a friend than you do a relative, it could be that that particular relative, you're like, I can't believe you're my sibling. We have nothing in common. It may be because that person has a different root soul, whereas your friend has the same root soul. So they're still your relative. They're still your sibling. They still matter to you. But you may not have a desire to spend a lot of time with them because you will end up prioritizing people that have a similar or same root soul that you do. Diversity and individual expression within the context of the family unit is a result of divergent sources and soul roots. If you have diversity within your family, you probably come from a different soul root than that person. There's nothing wrong with that. We love diversity. Diversity is fantastic. But similarity and desire to spend time with someone probably means similar soul roots. Now, most members of a family will spring from the same area or the same root of Adam's primordial soul body. But some souls will travel from other parts within the great primordial Adam. And they will come to join a particular family unit in a specific incarnation, in a specific purpose. For this reason, we find that within every family, although collectively they may share general common interests, some family members may go in a different or occasionally even an opposite direction than other family members. Most of the family will gravitate towards maybe one profession or live in one climate or one environment. While there's always the one or two members of the family who seem to be singing their own tune. Sometimes they call them the black sheep or the white sheep. I don't know how would, what, the, what, what it has to do with sheep, but these are terms that are used. And they seem to be doing their own thing. For example, a whole family may be doctors and lawyers, and all of a sudden you have one that's a musician. There's a reason. It's not by chance that one is the artist while the others are all professionals. A healthy unit is where each member of the family lives in accordance with their own particular soul inscription. And where each member of the group is influenced 
and spiritually nourished by the individuality of the next, collectively creating a veritable rainbow of personalities and pursuits, which means the goal from a family unit, and sometimes we have to tell parents this, is not necessarily to have all your kids within a two-minute walk from you, but to allow them to express their individuality and give them the opportunities when you can for them to express their individuality. Because part of their life's journey, part of their life's purpose is going to be to discover that individuality and to connect through what we call divine providence. Some people use the word serendipity, but we like to use the word divine providence through divine providence with the other members of their root soul to help them achieve together their purpose in this world. Now, there are some, I want to just give you a caveat here. There are some who mistakenly believe that if a child is born and named after a loved one who passed away, they will automatically possess the same soul energy of the one who departed. It does happen. But it's not the case all the time. Now, we have many, many ancient teachings attesting to the ways that our names affect our behavior. So there is a a validity to it, but it's not all the time. A certain number of these teachings also suggest that when parents name their children, they do so with divine inspiration and with divine intuition. So the name will be suitable to the characteristics of the child's soul. Still, I'll mention there are other teachings that indicates that when a child is named after a righteous person who has lived, that righteous soul who resides in the world of pure spirit is aroused and an infinity of souls is then forged between these two and that can have positive results. So therefore, people will choose to name their children after a righteous person because that will help that particular soul, the soul of their child, be able to be uh, a better soul. There's there's sources for this. But all this, just to continue this caveat, all this does not guarantee that a child who is named after someone else will inevitably have a spark of that soul. Though, that can certainly occur. It's not the rule. Names are influential, but they're not necessarily definitive. Something so important in teachings is to see the nuance of teachings, which means it's not a zero-sum game in any teaching. I like to use the word often, sometimes, not definitive words. It happens often that when you name a child after someone who passed away, they have similarities. Or maybe 
it's because you miss that person who you knew, who you loved very dearly, and you pin pinpoint you're looking for the similarities that that name that child has with their namesake. That's okay. It's a beautiful thing. We're not saying don't name after people, but somehow there became this spiritual understanding that if you name after this person, that they're going to have, oh, look at that. You see, it's because. And by the way, I want to tell you, it is the most beautiful thing for us to name our children after our parents and grandparents and to tell that child the amazing traits of the person they're named after. Every child should know they come from greatness. Every child should know they come from greatness because they do come from greatness. And we can, if we name after that person, we can talk to that child about the traits of that individual that they're named after and let them perhaps, you know, they say, what came first, the the, the chicken or the egg? You know, what, what you do is instead of saying, oh, this person, this child is like their namesake. No, you teach the child the namesake so the child will want to be like the namesake. That, I think, is a much better way of going about this than saying, oh, this, you know, going to the spiritual level and saying, oh, this particular soul has the same soul roots. No, what ends up happening is when the child the whole time hears about how wonderful a person and all the traits of the person they're named after, they naturally want to be like that person. And then what happens? We become self-fulfilling prophets. When we want to be like someone, we become like them. Questions, comments? Rabbi, I, I might have missed something here. You, I thought you said we all come from Adam, from the primordial soul. And so I, then when you said there's different root souls, where where are they? Is it like I'm thinking of like a family tree. We got Adam so, up here. Is it? So there? for now, until we get into specifics, at this point in our conversation, we're talking about Adam's head versus Adam's finger versus Adam's toe versus oh, Adam's I leg. Okay. So the souls that are similar roots are from the similar part of Adam, of the of the primordial body of Adam. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I remember that from last time. Now, yeah. yeah. At this point, this is our discussion right now. It's it's we're going to add on to it, but it's important that we understand things in context. So at this point in our discussion, that's what we're referring to. Okay, and if uh, one more question. So if there's somebody that's passed on and maybe they don't have characteristics you really want your kid, like would that be somebody be like, no, I know I'm supposed to honor that person, but I can't put that on a child. I have I have two answers to that. Mm-hmm. One is if you they don't have characteristics, maybe they shouldn't be named after that person, even if you want to honor them. And the other thing is, this is a little controversial, but I'm going to say this, and this is not, this is sometimes, this is not an absolute. Mm-hmm. We have to be careful in the nuance. But sometimes it's a good idea to, because we want to tell our children that they come from greatness, to tell them only the positive attributes of that person. And every person has 
some sure. positive attributes. And so we yes. can turn, though we may not have had the best relationship with that person, we can turn the person's legacy into their positive attributes. Okay, we can just find that thing. All right, yeah. thank you. Please, Cheryl. Um, I may have missed a word in something when you said that root families or root souls find each other through blood, geographic, or I missed the third friendship. friendship. So I do believe that. I, I, well, okay. Don't have to go into details, but some of my closest friends, I feel closer than fam than blood family. And I always call them my chosen family because those similarities exactly of what you're what you're it's, it's talking very about. it's very possible that your family, your blood family is diverse, whereas your friends are from a similar root soul as yours, and that's why they're your chosen family. Thank you. Julianne. Uh, thank you. I had one question from last week, one question from this week. The last week one is, what's the difference between souls that are from Adam's hands and Adam's feet? Because both are doers. Mm, we're not there yet. Okay, fair enough. And question two is the um, what you were saying about souls being drawn to the same part of Adam's body that they're, as it were, that they're from. Um, how does that, does that fit in with dating and also the five types that you said that matchmaking is based on? Not necessarily the five types, but it does fit into dating. And a lot of, as someone who uh, often has to live in the world of matchmaking, there is a very, very spiritual component in a, in a spiritual root soul component to matchmaking as well. Yes. But that we'd have to do a special class just on the under the hood of spiritual matchmaking. Maybe one day. Oh, does it mean you can tell what body, what Adam's body part people are from? I would think that there's a couple different, by the way, we have myriads of soulmates. So depending on the kind of soulmate that you choose in your life, there could be someone from a similar root, or it could be someone specifically from a diverse soul root, because the two of you need to use different soul roots to be able to achieve your purpose in this world. I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but that gives you a little bit of a, of a preview of what's to come. Oh, yeah, that's appreciated very much. And yeah. so they might have the same mission and purpose, but a different way of achieving it by a different soul route. That's right. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, um, and we're the, getting into some of the some of the details of soulmates, which is fascinating all on its own. Oh, wow. I, I forgot what I was going to say in response, but I'll tell you later when it comes one back. Of, one, of, one of the books that I'm, that I'm working on, I have all these different books that I'm working on whenever I have a minute, but I'm working on the Soulmate Bible, and I'm talking oh, about these kinds of things in that book. I hope it comes out at some point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Kelsey. Yeah, go on. 
Kelsey? Okay, so I think maybe I need to table the question about soulmates for now. And then can you clarify, like we have certain characteristics that are tied to our soul. Like how does that apply to the root souls and the families and like being able to maybe refine or those characteristics that you're not really, um, like you really don't resonate within your family, I guess. Does that make sense? A lot of these are going to become clear as we go through this process. It's going to take us a number of weeks to do it. But for now, you can already start to feel or see if you don't want to be in physical proximity of somebody in your family, it could be because you have different purposes in this world. And part of the different purpose in this world is that you come from different root souls and that you need to connect with the people who have a similar root soul. But I'll give you an example. I mean, there's probably a good chance that a bunch of us in this room right now have similar root souls. There's a lot of people who have been aware of this class, and there's a lot of people who have shown up uh, on occasion, and there are some that show up very often and have become part of our our group here. And so uh, there could be, as an example, that we have a similar root soul and that we have a purpose to achieve together as part of this learning and a part of this growing and as part of this, this community that we've built. That's just an example. Rima. So my question is, um, is there any wisdom uh, in root souls when it comes to twins? Ah, we're going to get to that soon. I have a twin sister and my husband has a twin sister. So I'm really interested in this question. Yes, there is. Hopefully I'll get to it today. But yes, yes. Jenna. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? (laughs) Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Rabbi. Hi, everyone. Um, I also have a question about um, spouses, and so maybe it's not to get into now. Um, But I'm wondering if it's better for them to be of the same root soul. And I know this is going to be phrased in a weird way, but it's almost like it makes me think of almost an incest of sorts, but possibly positive like that it would be better that they're based in the same place 
Whereas obviously as humans, that would be a very bad thing. I have to be careful with the way I answer this question. So what I'll tell you is that I believe that there are many different types of soulmates. One of those soulmates is the way the Torah describes a soulmate as Ezer Kenegdo, which means a helpmate against you. Think about that a second. A helpmate against you. Somebody who's going to support you, but also challenge you and help you become a better version of yourself. If they're going to support you and challenge you, there's a good chance they're not from the same root soul. Because they have to be able to see beyond your root soul. So that's an Ezer Kinegdo. There are some people who don't, who don't want that to be challenged. They're stubborn. They don't want to be challenged. They may not be able to achieve the same level of purpose that they could achieve otherwise. But they don't want to be challenged. That's the reality. And so those people I would call, there's no Hebrew term for it. I'll call them yes dears. They're just agreeable, highly agreeable. If you want to be in a relationship with someone who's highly agreeable, you're going to end up in a situation where they're not going to challenge you. They're probably from a similar root soul because you have a similar purpose. So together, you can highly agree together and then achieve your similar purpose together. I'm really, really trying to simplify something that's very complicated and it needs a lot more time. But for the sake of this conversation, I think you should think of Ezer Kinegda, meaning a helpmate against you. Somebody who can support you and challenge you is the Torah's and the Kabbalah's version of the best soulmate. Maor. Yeah. Um... I guess my observation or comment or question uh, is similar to Julian. There was a book I read a while ago by Miriam Adahan called Awareness. Mm -hmm. And she talks about different. Yeah. You know that I'm sure you might have heard of it. Um, That we're all kind of given a gift. Uh, We're born with a certain gift and that gift can lead to Yetzer Tov, Yetzer Ra, depending on how you use that gift. But when you see another person's gift, or take a family member or someone in your community who you might not get along with, but they have a strength that you don't have, that appreciation and that... um, um, like basically in the premise of her book, she says that it's possible to climb up to a higher level of awareness, which is the title of her book. Because uh, even though you're given a gift, you might be able to, like, for example, someone who's a giver, they like to, and stucca comes naturally to them. Let's say other people are, uh, you know, entertain, you know, they're good at entertaining, whatever the gift is, uh, we learn from each other and you could climb to this different level. So this concept of, um, uh, our, you know, another thought, sorry, is Adam is 
Aleph is, you know, uh, a symbol of Hashem. And Dam is blood. Um, so, and I just see, I'm wondering what it means by, I'm still confused by what it means by their different soul roots. If you get what I mean, like thinking about all of that, is it we're in a subconscious state of our own soul root, but there's really a a higher level of soul roots. Right. So, okay. So, so let me unpack your question a little bit. So first, the first half, we were talking about Miriam Adahan's awareness. Yeah. There are many, that happens to be one that was written by an Orthodox Jew, but there are many uh, conversations and books on the Enneagram. And besides the Enneagram, the Enneagram became very popular uh, a number of years ago. There are other types of programs and and ideas of which you can use a number or a series of numbers, and you can find through your birthday what is your number and what is your personality type. I think they're all wonderful. They're all great, not necessarily true. Um, These books are created whereas if you, which a lot of people will open the book, they'll do the, the math, and then they'll go to their number, like, wow, it's so accurate. I guarantee you, probably half of the book's personalities will be accurate with you. Maybe not all of them, but half of them will be. So why I'm saying that is that there, if you like that kind of thing, it's wonderful. If you know that the second most popular page in the, in the morning newspaper, whenever people were reading morning newspapers, was the horoscope. This is very, very Greek mythology. And a lot of people will decide different elements and things about themselves based on these very specific signs. Now, these signs do exist in Judaism. And one day we can talk about the zodiac and how it applies to our lives. What I think I support. Yeah, what is important to understand today is whether or not your Enneagram is true or whether or not your life path is true mathematically, if you did one of those online life path things, it could be that it's true today. We, through our souls, have the ability to rise above it. That's that's exactly what she's saying. Do not. Right. Yeah, there is no personality type. Right. It's so, it's so important. Look, there, there's, somebody somebody called me up, I don't know, maybe four months ago or texted me and said that, you know, they read this morning's horoscope and it says something terrible about them. What do they do? First of all, <laughs> if you're going to read it and you're going to be affected by it, I would be careful about reading it. But if once you read it and you feel like there's some ha- bad heebie-jeebie as a result of it, just rise above it. Your soul has the ability to rise above that negativity. It's such an important part. People love these things. I, I hear about these all the time. It's so important that we have the ability to rise above these things. The second part about soul roots, I think it's going to, it'll as we unpack it like an onion as we peel away the layers of this because there's a lot to talk about this with regards to soul roots i think that will become clearer to you i want to go into one 
more little part of today before we we finish our class. And I know that time is of the essence now. That's why uh, we'll we'll leave the rest of the questions um, for um, for our, our our takeaways. I want to talk about people who are similar. So we said that family members may not share the exact same souls. But there are others outside the family, community people, friends, people who uh, share a similar origin, or they share what we're going to call the same spiritual DNA. Even outside the family, there are souls who share roots within the great body soul of the primordial Adam. And when these two meet up, they will unavoidably and almost like a reflex experience attraction. They will experience a serious magnetism for each other. It doesn't mean they're soulmates. Well, they're soulmates in a different way. They are part of the same soul. So sometimes people misconstrue it as a romantic attraction. But it's not always a romantic attraction. It could be this magnetism that attracts them to each other because they come from the same soul. Although it's not always necessarily a positively charged attraction, which you have to be very careful about. It could be negative as well, depending on that person and depending on that person's life experiences. It's important to know that sometimes you're attracted to someone and you think you're thinking other things. But really, it's just a soul or a soul root attraction. When two similar souls encounter each other for the very first time, there's often a kind of aversion or even a dislike for one another. I'll just make a note, and I know I'm dropping a bomb here, but I'll make a note that it often happens on first dates. That's why, as a matchmaker, I always say, you always do a second date, because there's no way to unawkwardize a first date. They're always going to be awkward, because even if you're attracted to each other, and even if you're part of a soul connection, attraction, the first instinct that we have is an aversion. Because being that you're of the same ilk, and the internal chemistry is too much alike, it's like taking two objects with the same exact magnetic energy field and trying to fuse them together. These two souls, they're gonna, they may be as their connecto. They may feel challenged or they may feel supportive, but they may also feel challenged by each other. If not consciously, then on a deep level. It's a spiritual type of jealousy that can arise. Pinning one soul against the other, struggling to see who can acquire more energy from their source. But if the two of you are more evolved, if you attain a more evolved measure of spiritual maturity, and you're a highly developed individual, and you experience divine intuition, then instead of the challenge, instead of the abhorrence, instead of the dislike, 
a beautiful love can be nurtured and flourish, and flourish between you. Supposing these two powerful energy sources do in fact coalesce and manage to resonate with each other, the vibrations that are created will be eminently more powerful. It's kind of like the light that's generated via friction or via discord. They can, it can be a fiercer light than a light that's produced by harmony and by uniformity. We want the challenge. It's not a bad thing that the first is the first feeling is a feeling of, of dislike. But your job, whenever you naturally dislike something, your job is to check within your spiritual makeup, within your spiritual sense, and ask yourself, is this like because we're similar? The opposite of love is not hate. Love and hate are the same. One is a positive emotion and one is a negative emotion. They're not opposites. They're exactly the same emotion. The opposite of love is apathy. That's why when a couple comes to me and I see one is apathetic, I get worried. If they hate each other, I'm not worried. And so very often, we end up in situations where we extremely dislike something and we're not, not sure why. It could be that it's there for us to extremely like it. It's just we have to turn the emotion from a negative to a positive. And because we have a pre, uh, we are, we are pre, uh, conditioned to negativity, we have to always check the negativity. Our society is preconditioned to negativity. So we're constantly having to check that negativity and to make sure that it is really truly negative or it's just perhaps a positive experience that's turning negative because of our predisposition. That's my conversation about, um, about similar souls. Next week, we're going to talk about actualizing the soul potential. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to use all this conversation and we're going to have a conversation about soul potential. With that, I love to go to our takeaways as time is of the essence. So please, we'll start today with Jill. Thank you. Well, it really struck me earlier when you said every child should know they come from greatness. And I think we have to remember, or I have to remember we're all that child and not in an ego kind of way, but I think that's, uh, that's the takeaway for me today. So thank you. Um, Alessandra. Thank you, Jill. Actually, I, uh, well, the, the whole class, obviously, as usual, was phenomenal. It, it's very interesting. I, I, I started just scrolling through my relationships with people, <laughs> trying to figure out <laughs> who was, who did I dislike first? Who did I not? But I think my greatest takeaway is really the naming. Because I... I remember when, while pregnant, I was, uh, for Yarin, I was looking for a name with purpose. I had been to a gematria class 
about names. I really wanted his name to start with you. You know, he to me, like if I connected now, it's like I was naming him after a name of God. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how uh, humble I was. <laughs> you know? But uh, I, and and I feel that Yarin, which in Aramaic means uh, understanding, is so perfectly accurate for him. Whereas when I was na- when I was pregnant with Naomi, I, I just said, if it's a girl, it's Naomi, and that's it. And and I didn't even look for boys' names. So it, I was, you know, listening to you. It feels like I was inspired uh, to name my children, and and I'm very, I feel very blessed because I feel those names are very accurate for them both. So. That that that's my happiness for the day, uh, if not a takeaway, but at least it's a happiness. And I will pass it on to uh, Jenna. Thank you. Hi again. Um, I'm still definitely thinking about the the helper against you concept, and also thinking about um, reflecting on my reactions to people and taking that moment of pause to question if, not if it's legitimate, but what is the source of this attraction or the opposite? Um, Because that's a frequent experience in meeting people. I will pass to Alana. I don't really have much to add. I also like the idea of that kind of relate to the naming. And um, I think so do my children, because when I look at the names that they've given their own children, uh, they have names like Emmanuel and Noam and Eleanor and um, like they were very uh, conscientious about their name selection for their children, as as were we actually. And also, I don't know, it's just, it's feel like a good connection. Um, and also, you know, when I think about it, if there was a name associated to a person that I really didn't like, um, then there was no way that I was going to name like one of my children after that person because um, I had such a bad association. Like even, you know, I thought about people that I went to high school with and I, I'd like the name, but I had this association with a person. I'm like, there's no way it like ruled out. So it's kind of funny, although I'm not a big soul believer, as you know, but. There's something to that. And it's certainly a way to keep the memory of the people that love uh, alive. I'm going to give it to uh, Rima. I'd love to hear your twin story. <laughs> oh, there are more than one. <laughs> so uh, my take, and we, I hope we can touch on the twin part next class. <laughs> But uh, it's uh, it's an interesting experience being a twin and being raised a twin. And 
meeting my husband who to find out he had a twin. So yeah, that was interesting. But my takeaway today is um, the child is named after our loved ones. And we uh, we see qualities, but I like how you said, Rabbi, that we're looking for those qualities in those children because we want to see uh, part of our loved ones because we miss them so much. So the child does have qualities and kindness and all this great stuff, but we're also looking for those qualities. That's that's very much true, very much true for me. And I will pass on to Julian. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm struggling with um, two root questions. The first root question centers around what you were saying about there being many uh, soulmates. Uh, the first branch of that is, um, I don't know if that's the same as the idea of seven soulmates. I don't know if it's an idea of many different types of soulmates, or I don't know if the idea of seven soulmates is an untrue idea. Um, and the, the, the second root question is when you mentioned the Enneagram, I remembered that someone once told me that it came from the Kabbalah. I've only ever heard that once. So I don't know if it's true, but um, I suppose that's one aspect to it, whether that's true. And the second aspect to it is whether there's, um, uh, if it is true, because there's 10 in the Kabbalah, 10 Sephirot, because it doesn't correspond, nine personality types of the Enneagram and 10, in the, 10 Sephirot in the Kabbalah, could it be that there's a missing personality type that's got lost? Um, I don't know if I would be rude to just add in a third question, whether I was curious whether Rima's um, husband's twin might have married her twin as well. <laughs> Those are my that, all the thoughts I had. I, I couldn't think about anything else. I don't know if you might be able to. If anyone can answer any of them, I won't answer all of them, but I'll, I will say that um, as far as seven soulmates, sure. I mean, seven, ten, fifteen, thirty. There's not specifically seven. There's um, many, many more soulmates than seven. So the whole seven soulmate thing, I don't know where that's from. There's all these things that people know, like if you make three matches, you go to heaven. I, 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 I don't know where they come from, but obviously somebody started them, but I, I haven't seen any sources for that. <laughs> but, but, but so what you were saying was there's many, many types of soulmates, not, not that there's a specific number, but there's loads of different functions. That's right. You want to pass it on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'll just have a look at the names. Did, did you have any thoughts on the Enneagram, by the way, if that's Kabbalistic or... There, uh, there, there's, there, there's probably similarities, but no exact source that I know of. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I was going to discover some missing personality type, but yeah. <laughs> we never know. Thank you. So um, has Ilana gone? Ilana did. Um, Alexandra. Uh, Cheryl. Kelsey, oh. Maor. I'll, I'll, I'll go for Kelsey. <laughs> Thank you. 
I think what stands out the most today is um, being attracted to the places where other root souls are. And then um, if you're having a negative experience, you know, you could have the equal positive in it. So I'm definitely going to be pondering this class quite a bit this week. So thank you. Um, and then Maor. Sorry, my unmute <laughs> button. Um, I guess uh, I have a lot of takeaways. I mean, the naming, I could go on forever and ever on that. I always uh, not only sense it a lot in my name, but in other people's names. Um, when it comes to, uh, I don't believe in horoscopes, and I don't think um, um, Miriam was trying to um, depict it in that way. And maybe the differentiation is she brought a lot of um, um, godly, you know, Hashem and her perspectives on things into it. And I think what what's interesting to me is that in this um, in this world that we live in, and maybe that's your next class, Rabbi, I don't know, a lot of the tests we do go through is to bring ourselves to higher levels. And I think that's what her book was about. And I looked briefly, I don't know enough about the 10 Sfirot uh, to even comment on it, but Keter is one of them, and I, I definitely Keter doesn't exist in the in you know the Greek system. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Uh, Jill took the words right out of my mouth initially of the naming thing, also, and telling. For me, it's not my children as much as my grandchildren, because now I have so many, but to share with them their greatness and where they were named. But the other thing that I got out of today was mostly one of the last things you said, and it had to do with similar people. You have community, I wrote community friends, same spiritual DNA um, I'm lucky to have lived to almost 71 now and moving communities, not just from Florida to Chicago, but Jewish communities and synagogues. We meet a lot of people. We have a lot of acquaintances. I have a lot of close friends close to my vest from high school and even grammar school. But when you meet somebody at your age, that you just automatically have this connection with. And this happened to have been a female, <clears throat> not a male. There wasn't a sexual attraction, but looking in somebody's eyes, that whole thing about looking through the eyes in the window of the soul, it's like I felt I knew this person. And we had not met before until we had lunch and connected. So part of me wonders, does it have to do with the learning and the wisdom and the levels that we've gained throughout our lives to have that connection? Or would a five or 15-year-old have that same kind of magnetic attraction as feeling like you knew each other in another life? 
And I don't know, I always find that fascinating. Right. Do we have anybody that hasn't gone? Marianne? Uh, well, just. Oh, no. Just, well, Mary, Marianne was. Yeah. Here, sorry. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I'm for the next one. Yeah. Oh, Thank okay. You. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I think we got everybody then. I think everybody. I think that's everybody. Did any? Did we miss anybody? Speak up. Okay. This is. Uh, this is very special, very special day. And next uh, next week, we're going to continue this fantastic conversation and go into soul and life purpose. With that, Rabbi. I wish you a wonderful day. Okay. Have a great so, day. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi I see yes. travels. As you're Thank going. Thank you, Cheryl, anyway. Have a good trip. A great Sadiq's grave. Um, yes. When you're saying within the family, you know, you might not relate to someone or you know uh there are all these struggles that go on because you're a different root soul i wonder uh, you know what he would you know here's a guy who touched so many people related to so many different spirits how did he achieve that so well, it could the be. question is if he's getting to that level where uh, um He's relating to more than one root soul. No, that be that the Rebbe is a root soul. Okay, maybe maybe we're saying the same thing then. Maybe the root soul to me, when Hashem breathed into Adam, his soul was, you know, the soul. It was breathed into the first person. That yeah, he connects to that level. Is what you're basically saying. Exactly. Exactly. So I see it oneness. Maybe I was looking at the root souls as okay, I got it now. We often look at them as linear when they're fluid. Okay. Okay. Thanks, uh, yeah. Rebel. Well, thank you. And obviously, if anyone has any special prayers that they want me to take with uh today, and I'm happy to be able to pray on your behalf. You can email me or message me. I'm happy to to pray on your behalf. Thanks, for, for, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay, take care. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course... I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. <laughs>